Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of my podcast series, Financial Crime Matters. I'm Kieran Beer, Chief Analyst and Director of Editorial Content at ACAMS, the largest association for anti-financial crime professionals throughout the world. In this episode, I talk to Elizabeth Lowy, co-founder and COO of Eversafe, a fintech platform that monitors family finances for fraud, identity theft, and age-related issues, including elder financial abuse. Prior to joining Eversafe, Liz worked for 30 years as the Chief of the Elder Abuse Unit in the District Attorney's Office for New York County. She's actually the founder of the Elder Abuse Unit in the DA's office and had a prominent role in successful prosecutions involving a number of elder abuse cases, including the very high-profile trial of Brooke Astor's son. I hope you find the podcast interesting and that you subscribe either through Spotify or Apple Podcasts because financial crime matters to me and to you. Here we go. So, Liz, it's a pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be here, Karen. Thanks for having me. Thank you for talking about a topic that I know is really important to you, preventing financial abuse of elder people. How did you come into making this kind of your life's work now, really, right? It is my life's work now. When I started in the Manhattan DA's office, there was actually no elder abuse unit, no elder abuse prosecution unit. There were other specialized units, domestic violence, sex crimes, child abuse, and this is actually fairly common across the U.S. I think it has probably to do with ageism because these are serious cases. America's aging. Problem with dementia isn't getting better anytime soon. So the DA at the time was Robert Morgenthau and had a conversation with him about the fact that we had no elder abuse prosecution unit. He quickly agreed and we started one. I ran that unit for 18 years before I left, but we quickly saw that most of the cases involved theft or fraud of seniors. And it was a huge problem. I have to say that ACAMS was on this issue very early on, which delighted me. Even before we were getting calls from banks and firms and credit unions, you folks were focused on cases involving older customers and senior investors. So kudos to ACAMS for that. I think you're being modest, though. You sort of were out there pioneering this, but we'll take some of the credit. And everything well, I, I love old want. people. I love old people. Some people <laughs> love babies, and I, I had a few of my own, but I, I do like old people. I do think that some seniors are vulnerable to this, and I think financial institutions have now recognized that And many of them have now developed these senior customers, senior investor strategies, which is great. So tell me a little bit about the scope of the problem. And is it fair to say that the problem's getting worse? I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. As you know, the boomers are aging. Something like 10,000 Americans turn 65 every day. Depending on the research you look at, between 70 to 80 percent of U.S. assets are held by seniors. And according to the Alzheimer's Association, one in three seniors dies with some form of dementia usually Alzheimer's. So it's really important to get ahead of the problem. So do we have a sense of how many cases there are out there or what kinds of sums of money? When I left the Manhattan DA's office, we were investigating and prosecuting about 800 cases just here in New York County. There's a study that was done by a group called Investor Protection Trust that said about one in five seniors in America are the victim of some kind of scam, about a $37 billion problem in this country, according to an article from Bloomberg. Most of the studies out there, I think these statistics are not super accurate because they're done by interviews with older people and don't include all the people out there who are being targeted because they're impaired in some way. Average loss to a senior, according to AARP, is about, it's actually, I think, 120,300. 
There's also the issue a lot of romance scams, feeling foolish about having been taken advantage of and never say anything to, I guess, right? You're so right. Those folks aren't included, and there are many of them. People are living longer, which is great, but there are still health challenges and the problems of isolation, loneliness, and depression. And romance scams are huge when older folks, and by the way, younger folks fall for them too. They're not quick to call up 911 or even a family member when this happens. They're totally embarrassed. Some of the folks who have dementia or mild cognitive impairment are told it's a scam but don't really believe it. So they do it again a couple weeks later after the detective leaves, and family members will say they're being belligerent. And I'll explain it's not really belligerence. It's that this is really part of... From what I've read, the mild cognitive impairment that often precedes dementia, you lose your insight and your judgment sometimes, and you fall for these things, and it's a big problem. And some of the criminals really understand that, I suspect, and know how to play people. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that are tip-offs, typologies and things? Yeah, there are a lot of older folks that are doing well. I always like to point that out, because often when we talk about the red flags of elder abuse... What I see missing from those charts is the seniors' complaint that they think something's going on with their money. When I trained prosecutors at Manhattan DA, I told them, listen to those complaints that come into the complaint line. I think sometimes we tend to think older people are confused or paranoid. We had quite a few cases where seniors would complain about, I think something's going on with my accounts at a bank or a firm, or we had one involving guardianship where she thought something was wrong with her money, and she had a guardian appointed, and there was but people ignored her for a while. You're right, scammers are really good at what they do. And staying on top of the scams that are out there, whether it be a romance scam, a grandparent scam, which is still really common. Grandparent scam typically is an exploiter calling a senior. And by the way, they know if you're a senior, because there's all this information out there that's public, or on the dark web, calling up, pretending to be a grandson or granddaughter and saying, I'm in trouble. One of the things I point out is my father was almost a victim, and he has this veteran prosecutor daughter that talks to him about scams all the time. The first thing the scammer said to my dad was, hey, Grandpa, it's Sam. By the way, that's my son's name. Mm-hmm. Where did they get that info? Probably the Facebook page my sister and I made for him. We're so wise. But the first thing the scammer said was after that, please don't tell Mom, but I'm in a little trouble. That is so brilliant, because what does every grandparent want? They want to be closer to their grandchild. So that's how it starts. But things to look for, Kieran, are really things that are unusual. And when I say unusual, I mean unusual and out of the ordinary and out of the know-your-customer realm, either in their financial documents and their financial records, or if they're coming to the bank or to the firm or the credit union, changes in the way they look personally, or whether they're coming Mm. in with someone new. Any change like that, either in financial activity, transactions, behavior, or in person, are things really where financial services professionals and family members need to take a second look. This is a challenge because financial institutions are not looking at activity across accounts and across institutions. And by the way, that's the way scammers steal. They rarely take $80,000 in one fell swoop from a bank. They'll work across bank, an investment account, maybe a retirement account, wire some money, open a new credit card. Often it never lands in the credit report. The other thing I saw is that people aren't monitoring. It's kind of unbelievable, but online banking helps with that. Someone opens a credit card and it doesn't land in my credit report? Am I supposed to know that? Opening up a credit card is different than, let's say, a caregiver finds a credit card in the back of a drawer. 
If they use that, that won't show up in a credit report. A dormant card that's used all of a sudden. And a scam like the IRS scam. Mm -hmm. Exploiters trying to get a refund in your name. What they usually do is they open up a depository account in your name to get the fake refund settled there. That won't show up in a credit report. So there's a lot out there that doesn't show up in the credit report. I do talk to banks and firms about enhancing their analytics to pick up more change because, you know, maybe when you were 22, you went to the ATM at two in the morning and it was normal. And maybe when you're 85, that's not normal anymore. Yeah. Uh, maybe changes in spending have to be looked at. Change in spending could be an unscrupulous caregiver. And obviously, I'm getting into using technology to do this. And hopefully, financial institutions are looking at changing their alerts to age along with their average customer. Right. What more can financial institutions do? Yeah, that's a really good question. I do think that they should be enhancing their analytics. And that's easy for me to say. I now work for a tech company, but I did see as a prosecutor how long the fraud goes on before it's identified. Um, We all know, well, at least those in financial services know about suspicious activity reports. I often got those after really years of fraudulent activity. Alerts, in my opinion, should change as the account holder gets older. To be clear that this account is held by an older person and that staff should be aware of, does the behavior fit that profile? The opening of a new depository account may not be authorized. Yeah, I I think there should be an alert for that. I think there should be an alert for missing deposits. It could be a missing social security check or pension check. I think patterns should be looked at for things like changes in spending. We can educate a lot of these folks about the new scams. I educated my dad about the grandparent scam. By the way, he wasn't defrauded, but he didn't call me first, Kieran. Yeah. I do think educating customers and client-facing professionals at, at the financial institutions and compliance and risk about new scams is important. But to me, it's all about the data, all about the technology, and doing more to identify these cases early. And to those folks who are in investment firms, to those advisors and broker-dealers who are out there, they need to encourage their older customers to come in with loved ones or trusted others to have a conversation about advanced planning, about what to do if there's some kind of an emergency and they can't be reached. And the regulators are actually encouraging this by encouraging reporting. And FINRA, as you may know, has these two new rules that are focused on vulnerable adults. One of them requires broker-dealers to, at the time of account opening, of someone of any age to take reasonable steps to get the name of a trusted contact. And I think that's a great idea. I think more of them should think about or consider read-only access to trusted loved ones. I know there are privacy issues. What's read-only access? Yeah, read-only would be if an account holder has capacity and wants someone that they trust to see financials, of course, not being able to move the money, that's why it's yeah, called yeah. only to have that's that access. Let's talk a minute about what people can do and being cognizant of what is permissible in their various states. Adult Protective Services exists in every state, and they are usually, along with state securities regulators, the agency that folks at financial services should call if they're worried about a senior. In most APS offices, you can refer a case anonymously. And in more than half the states now, the state law actually mandates reporting. I'm a big believer in adult protective services, Kieran. It would be great if we had psychiatrists or psychologists on staff at banks and firms 
who could do an assessment of that 80-year-old who's walking in with a brand new person who's saying, I'm her nephew. But most financial institutions don't have that. And Adult Protective Services, they're mandated to go out and visit the senior. Sometimes they can go out within 24 hours if it's that urgent to see whether the senior's okay, see whether their living conditions are all right. There's more collaboration now between financial institutions and Adult Protective Services, but probably not enough. There's something called the Senior Safe Act that was passed that actually encourages reporting and encourages training on elder financial abuse and actually offers some degree of immunity to financial institutions that are doing this. The National Adult Protective Services Association has a website where if financial services folks don't know where to call to get to their local APS, they can look on the website and do that. My company, Eversafe, actually has a state reporting map, so you can go and see whether you're mandated to report or it's permissive and to whom you should be reporting. So give me a couple of specific examples about the kinds of things that we can now do using technology tools that I'm sure that you and others provide. FinTech is this new sexy word and people don't use it often in the same sentences they use aging. When people think about technology and older people, they think about things that can be done at home to help with seniors' physical health. Some things involving biometrics or automated services that remind you to take your medicine or can see whether you're eating. But the truth is financial health is closely related to physical health. There's a study done by the University of Texas recently that concluded the lowest survival rate for all different forms of elder abuse. Mm-hmm. Highest mortality rate is actually elder financial abuse, which is tied with caregiver neglect. We saw this at the DA's office, and I hear it from our customers' family members now. You know, he made it through three heart attacks, and when he was exploited by his aide, he finally passed. So technology can be very helpful to keep an eye on our aging folks' financial health. My technology actually looks across accounts and across institutions to see activity in a macro way, not just from one institution that may have a static alert, because we know scammers steal that way. As I said earlier, they steal across accounts. Mm -hmm. I believe they know what structuring is. They know how not to get caught. And we send our alerts both to our members, but also to our members' designated trusted others, whether it be a trusted family member or two, or a power of attorney, or an advisor, we can send alerts to any number of people. Other ways technology can be used. So many folks at banks and firms reported to me when I was a prosecutor and report to me now, my mom's doing great living alone, but she keeps accepting these phone calls from these sleazy telemarketers, and she keeps getting caught. But there are tech services out there that can actually stop those automated calls. Mm. Uh, One is called Nomo Robo. I have no connection with them. And there are others as well. Actually, the general phone companies now have services like that. You could get a prepaid debit card for a senior who wants to live on her own or his own, but keeps spending money where they shouldn't be spending money, maybe on a green dot card because the Nigerian prince called or... You can have technology help you with bill paying. A lot of times, trouble starts with things like not paying bills on time or missing bills. And there are services out there. One is called Silver Bills. Love that name. It reminds me Mm -hmm. of the song. And they use tech to help with bill paying. Eversafe also will send an alert if you have an unpaid bill. And so much of the mortgage fraud where a second mortgage is taken off. You're so right. Thank you for saying that because real estate's often a senior's largest asset. We actually monitor for changes to real estate like the ones you're talking about, title changes, 
That's another thing to look at using technology. And I think we have to be more holistic and more macro. Who the hell are these people that would do this stuff? Right? Who are so detached from human suffering and empathy? Is there a profile? I know a lot of times it's family members. These cases outrage me. Who are the people who would target someone older, vulnerable, clearly suffering from dementia. I had one victim whose family escaped the Holocaust and was living in a nursing home with moderate to maybe severe dementia who was exploited by a so-called accountant who worked at a boutique law firm and handled this woman's money. But most often, the research says, it's family members and caregiver And of types. course you handled the Brooke Astor case, right. a very famous case in which yeah. it was family members. It too. was her only son. Yeah. And one of her grandsons blew the whistle because he was tired of not being permitted to visit his grandmother, along with other close friends who were not on the so-called visitors list for Brooke Astor, and were not allowed in. That's a sign. You know, folks who come in, even if they're family members, who are isolating the senior and not allowing them to deal with their flesh and blood or their close friends, yeah. that's a sign. But it's mostly family members and caregivers, an awful lot of seniors also who are answering the phone or answering sweepstakes or even charity solicitations that end up being fraudulent. Such a happy topic, I know. Well, it is a happy topic if somebody out there hears something here and protects their parents or another vulnerable adult. Liz, I really want to thank you for your time. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for caring about this so long ago. And now the ACAMS folks are often the first line of defense. They often see this before family members do. Putting steps in place to monitor before a crisis is just critical. It's not a happy topic, as you said, but it's something where there are solutions out there. So hopefully some will be taken. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you'd like to hear more about what's important in the fight against financial crime, then subscribe to my podcast series, Financial Crime Matters, with me, Kieran Beer, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Because financial crime does matter to me and to you. See you next month.